And uh, by the way, so for the past few weeks, we've been doing a series of webinar. Um, we've conducted developing life ready leaders. It was hosted by Christine. The other one was achieving your widely important goal. It was hosted by, uh, facilitated by Terence Thomas Cusare. It was a very good one. And also last week, it was uh, resilience amidst crisis. And it was uh, facilitated by Miss Monette and by Red. So today we have very like an interesting topic. It's about social emotional learning. So uh, I'll be introducing uh, myself first, okay, if that's okay with you. And um, I'll be introducing a brief background about our company. Okay, so I'll be just sharing my screen with you guys. Okay, so again, welcome. So, so let me introduce myself. So, I'm Earl John Angeles. I'm a registered nurse by profession. I'm work. I'm currently working at Franklin Coffee Education Philippines as a school relations partner. So, prior to joining uh, Franklin Coffee Education Philippines, I was also a sales executive for MD Aerospace Fabrication Services. It's kind of weird though, uh, knowing that I'm a nurse and then I've been what you know selling parts of airplane but then um before that i also worked as an uh, ofw i worked at dubai for almost five years i worked there as a client service consultant and a branch relationship officer for a financing company so pretty much my career is quite colorful um but before going abroad i was an instructor at pamatasan ng Lungsod, Manila. so i i was an educator as well I used to teach college uh, students, nursing specifically. And before that, I worked as a nurse, as a medical surgical nurse and an ER nurse. Okay, so, so much about me. And uh, let me introduce to you our team. So our team, of course, are headed by our president, uh, Ms. Maria Carmen Alcoaz Reyes. She's our president of Center for Leadership and uh, Center for Leadership and Change Incorporated, uh, also known as Franklin Cove Philippines. She's also our education practice leader. Also with our team, our head of education practice is Ms. Christine Javier. She's an educator and architect for change. She's a very cool leader, let me say. Now also, we have uh, Red Garcia. He's also a licensed professional teacher, a school relation partner as well, like me, and a facilitator for seven habits for teens and six uh, decisions. Also, we have Terence Thomas Cusare, also a school relation partner. He's a facilitator as well. Um, facilitator for Seven Habits for Teens and Achieving Your Important Goals, or for DX. And of course, last but not the least, we have Lency Coronado, our client service coordinator. She plays the most important role in our team because practically, Without her, it would be impossible to do the logistic, getting in touch with the schools, stuff like that. Okay, so that's our team. Now let me uh, let me give you a brief background about our company. So Franklin Covey Education, we are a global leadership and educational consultants, helping school raise a generation of principal-centered leaders. So here in the Philippines, we have partners um, uh, all over the Philippines, starting from La Union, Way all the way back to Malay Balay Bukit Nod. and we are globally. We are globally. So if you happen to be in uh, happy to go to other countries, uh, most probably we have a leader in this school there. Okay. So a brief, very brief background. So 
some of the people are asking, is Franklin Covey the, I mean, the owner or the name of the company? Well, Franklin Covey is a merger. So Franklin Quest, way back in 1983, uh, they're the one who were famous for the planners, if you're familiar with that. So planners and then Covey Leadership Center, that is by Dr. Stephen Covey. Now in 1997, they have the merger, that's the birth of Franklin Covey. And then here in the Philippines is CLCI or Center for Leadership and Change Incorporated. So we're located at Ateneo Professional School at Salcedo, Makati. Okay, so that is introducing myself, a very brief one and our company. So now, let me introduce to you, okay, let me introduce to you our speaker. Now we're very lucky and fortunate to have her, especially me. Uh, not because uh, she's my wife, she's my partner in life, but then we're lucky because she'll be sharing with us her expertise and her experiences when it comes to social emotional learning, okay? So let me just um, introduce uh, my wife, okay? Let me just share it with you. Okay. Sorry about that. So my wife, um, she is currently working right now as a um, teaching assistant at International School of Manila. And then prior to that, she worked as a lead interventionist for social thinking at the Brent International School of Manila. She worked there as a lead interventionist uh, for five years, but she worked there for almost eight years. Now, uh, just to show you her credentials, sorry about this. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So she she was a lead speaker for seminar on introduction to inclusive education and strategies for self-regulation and emotional control this was held last uh it was held at la salle green hills also she worked as a workshop leader for professional development sessions and workshop facilitator in six senior manila conference uh, for special education network in asia now uh, she's a presenter also for in-service workshop for lower school faculty and parents on social thinking. So guys, let us all welcome. Uh, let's give her a Franklin Covey education welcome. Let's welcome the love of my life. <laughs> the, what they call this, the, the apple of my eye, if I may say. <laughs> so let's all welcome. Angie, Angie Hi, on behalf of uh, Franklin Covey Education, thank you very much for gracing us uh, this afternoon. Yes. Yes, I'm excited <laughs> and nervous at the same time. Yes, we're thank both you. nervous, although she will be the one uh, talking more. But uh, I'm also nervous for her and for me. So, so let's start with this. So let me start with a question uh, for you, Angie. Now, since this past few days or this past few months, we are in lockdown environment. So my question for you is now, um, why do you think it is like very essential or it is essential to raise a social smart kid during this time of adversity? All right, so I think for me, because we are in a situation where it's something new and it's a pandemic actually, and we are all in ECQ or in lockdown. Sorry, I, I think, think uh, the challenge- You could, you could uh, speak a little louder, if you don't mind. Yeah. 
Right. So it's a very challenging time. So I think it's high time for us to teach our kids to handle their emotions since we're all we're all managing this in a very like this pandemic is very new to us and we are all experiencing these types of emotions. So we don't want to burden our kids or our students with the same negative emotions that we may have. We want to enlighten them from, enlighten them from that. And so we want to teach them how to manage emotions or raising a social smart child. Yes, of course, and definitely most of the time, especially nowadays, that parents have their kids practically every day or every minute of their yeah. lives. And some of them are having a hard time or having some challenges in dealing with them. Okay, so guys, um, please sit back, relax. I hope you have your own pen and paper there so you can jot down all the notes if you want to make notes. And then if, again, if ever you want to make any comments or any questions, just type in the chat box or you can unmute yourself, okay, so that we can recognize you, okay? So I'll give the floor now to Angie. Alright, so our topic for today, again, is coping with challenges, raising a social smart child. So I want to start sharing or sharing a glimpse of how a child who lacks social and emotional control look like in the classroom. So if you can see in the slides, you may have students who, one, or type A, he may be a student that may be overwhelmed when you give him a task, or at house, in the house, you can probably see him crying in the corner or probably worrying. Or he's a type of kid that because of the quarantine, he just totally shuts down. Or we also have a student, the student B, who can be rude or uses foul language most, most of the time. And in a way, because he cannot express his emotions really well, he tends to be aggressive to others. Now, there's also some kids who are like student C, a student who does not express himself well because he worries a lot. So because of that worries, because of that anxiety, he tends to just withdraw himself and he thinks of thoughts that are purely negative or he can't get out of that negative thinking. So why talk about this? Why talk about kids who are like that? One of the reasons could be because they lack social emotional learning. So something to consider is that when young people don't know how to control or release what they are feeling in a healthy way, they resort or they resort to making emotion-based decisions. That means they hit, they cry, they push, whatever is easier to them for, for them to do because it's an emotion-based based decision. So um and just uh, maybe do you mind going back to one slide? I want to be ask our odd now. Um, right. Which kind of you know children do they experience in the classroom or maybe at home at this point? Uh, the picture with the three children. So right. Do you have a child uh, like crying all the time or just? Yeah angry all the time or just anxious at, on the, all the time and i'm gonna ask the audience right now to uh, go ahead and pick um pick the annotate uh option uh just scroll to the top of your screen and there's a view option there and then click on annotate and um look for the stamp 
icon there and maybe you can use a star or a heart and just stamp onto A, B or C. Uh, which type of children do you normally encounter maybe in school or even now at home? That's a very good thing. Yeah, I wonder what type of kids. Then, uh, while we do this a bit, uh, Angie, your mic is really off. Her uh, 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 maybe Earl can exchange microphones with you if, right. if that's a better thing. Go ahead and click on your icons and see. Okay. How about this? Is it better? Is it better now for the for her mic? Hmm. Okay. Got it. Okay, I see a lot of aggressive kids. <laughs> All right. Yes, shot. Oh my god. the board na ata sa bahay. The pushing, the hitting. Yep. That's reasonable. Okay, there's also a lot of worrying kids. Yes, because this is probably something new for them. Of course, this is something new for us. Especially kids in social distance learning, that would be a lot of source for being anxious or worries. Okay. So let me clear the screen right now and let's continue with our discussion. Uh, did you exchange mics? Um, yes. yes. Much, much, much louder. Or maybe it's your voice. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I think it's my voice because we changed already mics. Okay. All right. All right. I'll try to speak louder. Okay. I, I'll use a voice three level. Hopefully, you guys can hear me better. Okay. All right. So, I've shown this. Uh, obviously, you have different types of kids in the house, and thank you for doing that. So, why do we have kids like that? Like I mentioned, it's because they are basing their decisions based on their emotions, on what they are feeling. So because they lack that social emotional learning, they resort to hitting, shouting, pushing, and crying. So that's why it's high time for us to raise a social smart kid. So a social smart kid, we know that there are a lot of smarts in our brains. There are people who are smart with science, with math, with music, with sports, or computer, etc. But what do we mean when we say social smart? When we say social smart, it's when we, what we use when we are around other people. When you say social smart, it's the act of understanding that others have thoughts about us and we have thoughts about them. It's perspective thinking. Being a social smart means you are doing perspective thinking. Wherever we are, wherever we may be. All right, I think, I hope my voice is loud enough. It's, okay. So social smart, it's when we figure out how to behave based on where we are and what we are expected to do at that time. So when you are a social smart kid, you're considered a person who can do perspective taking and a person who acts or behaves appropriately. And we do this, or you, we, we become social smart because we know or we want people to have good thoughts about us. Because when they have good thoughts about us, we feel good about it and we do good things more, that is. So let's start discussing how to raise 
a social smart child, and today I have five points to discuss with you. Alright, so here are the five points that I'm going to discuss with you. I'm going to start with discussing building rapport, phrases and vocabularies to use, social stories and the social behavior map, emotions, and plan for a bad moment na day or providing a calming corner for them. So let's go with the first one. In general, you can build support in a lot of ways. And when you do that, you make the student feel safe. Safe. I think that's the main goal that you want. That's why you want to build rapport with them. You want them to feel safe around you. And when you do that, you make you become a trusted adult for the child. So how do you actually build rapport with them? Actually, it depends on the age of the child. So when you have uh, toddlers, they really like it or you connect with them when you give them phrases. Like, you give them phrases or exaggerated affirmation. You clap when they do something good. You um, squeal with excitement when they are they, when they walk or when they do something cute and silly at the same time. So when you give them exaggerated affirmation, you actually connect with them. Now, again, I said building rapport depends on age. When you have an older kid, you connect with them when you try to invo become involved in their play. You play games with them, you jump with them, you play tag with them, um, you actually go into their world to whatever they are interested in. As they grow older, for preteens, it changes. You connect with them when you gossip with them, when you bitch with them. But don't get me wrong, you don't want to tolerate the bitching. You just want to hear what they're bitching about, right? So you hear the gossip or the gossip that's in the, within the peers because you have become an adult, a trusted adult. And for teens, it also changes again. So you connect with teens when you go into their world, meaning to say you play the games that they play, you, whether it's a video game or it's an app on the phone, whether you do TikTok with them, you, do, you listen to their favorite music, whether it's BTS or XO and other K-pop craze. So again, it varies. Building rapport varies. varies. So today, uh, I'm going to talk about two tips to build rapport with kids. So the first one actually is uh, Gary Chapman's love language. So Dr. Gary Chapman and Dr. Rose Campbell wrote a book on the children's five love language. And really, they designed it for parents and educators to discover their child's love language, that's one, assist their child in success in learning, use the love language to correct and discipline more effectively, and fourth, would be to build a foundation of unconditional love for the child. So really, when you're building rapport and you're looking at your child's love language, it takes your relationship to another level, right? So each concept is really self-explanatory. So I will focus on discussing some practical tips to do for each love language. And I'll use my own children, our ch children, as an example. So here's Andre and Andrea and I asked them to take a love language the love language test and here's the result 
So they both have quality time as their primary love language, meaning to say their love bucket is filled when we spend when we both spend time with them. For and for both of them also, their secondary love language is words of affirmation. So they like it when we tell them or we acknowledge their the good behavior they do, the achievements they do. But one more thing about Andrea is that her secondary love language is also physical touch. And that's something that Andrea and I uh, has as a match because we both, we can just cuddle all night long and we can sleep really well, which he does not like. Yeah. But uh, um, Andrea and me, that I we enjoy. So, um, so what other ways can we fill their love bucket? Here are the following. Angie, what if yeah? uh, what if the kids are too young to let's say take a test? Are there other ways to kind of figure out what their love language would be? Actually, that's a good question, Christine. Um, actually, the love language test. Is the, for the children is designed for five year old to seven year old, but for younger kids, you could uh, you could already tell because if they like that, you know some kids who toddlers who will perform when you give them a praise. So at a very young age, if they're a toddler and they will perform when you clap for them, that their love language is actually um, words of affirmation because you're giving them exaggerated. Praise. So, or by observing them, yeah, by observing them, what kind of language there's love language they're speaking. Yes, yes. At the very early age, you can already tell if some kids are very clingy, so you can already tell that their love language is physical touch. By the way, there is a question here at the chat box by Mamwini Paz. Can the result of the love language test change as they grow older? Yes, definitely, it will change. It changes um, uh, because of probably the influence around them and because of uh, their makeup it changes it really changes so depends on the age and depends on the influence or what can what culture they are in it probably will change yeah that's a good question all right so going back to what I was talking about or the first step in what in filling a child's love language if a child has quality time as their love language is just literally be there for them so for andre and andrea since their love language is quality time i make it a point to read stories to them they actually ask for it because that's our time together or it actually calms andrea down when i read a book to them before going to sleep so that's quality time spent with them. And another practical tip that I we do with them, especially this uh, ECQ, is that we play games with them. We play board games with them, we play card games with them, we play basketball with them. So it's really that the concept of feeling their love bucket because when they do feel good about it, they you you eliminate the misbehavior. So that's why you encourage that love bucket feeling because and you're building rapport with them and you're building that relationship with them because you're actually eliminating the bad behavior because you're filling in in their bucket rather than dipping into their bucket. Okay, I'm going ahead of myself. So all the time, you can um, bring your child along during your errands. You can draw with them. 
you can allow them to help you around the house. You can find silly things to laugh about together. And we do that a lot of the times here in the house. We find silly things or to laugh at or joke around. Alright. So the next would be, basing on my kids, their second love language is words of affirmation. So what we do or what I do is really shower them with I love yous or um, it's showering them with praises. Uh, what I do with Andrea and Andrea is that whenever they do something good, I try to exaggerate it or I try to make it memorable for them. So um, I try to use words that are encouraging, motivating, um, that's uplifting for them, for them to be motivated to, motivated to keep on achieving, right? So that's the end goal anyway, right? You're raising a social smart kid to become successful in life. So other ways for you to develop uh, words of affirmation, you can use, you can affirm both their efforts and achievements. You can create a name of affection for them. And I actually have tons of names for Andrea and Andrea. And I, I wouldn't share it anymore because some would find it cheesy. <laughs> but I do have a lot of names for them. I do have a lot of names for Just them. to give you an example, folks. Chico, Sarkid, like Pachicoco, like Kachigliling, something yeah, like so that. Really, in terms of endearment. Yeah. They, and, and, and they respond to it. <laughs> so creating a name of affection for them really works. Okay, another thing that you could do is when a child makes a mistake, you acknowledge their good intentions rather than break them with the with the nagging, with the shouting, right? So if if Andrea and Andrea really breaks a glass here in the house, I'll don't make a fuss about it. Because the intention really is to get a glass. And if they break it, it's just a glass. I don't want them to have a bad memory of me um, getting mad at them for just glass. So you don't want to break their bubble. You don't want to break their words of affirmation, love bucket. So, there. Another way is writing love notes and leaving them around the house or in their large boxes. Also, I did this with Andre a lot of the time and he appreciated it. And in return, he also wrote love languages, love notes to me. And he influenced Andrea with that. So, when I get home, actually, I have a folder of all an envelope of all their love letters to me of all their drawings it's a collection so again when you build their love packet it goes back to you so that's a practical tip for encouraging words of affirmation with regards to physical touch again it's very self-explanatory you can just sit me beside the child you can give that give lots of hugs and kisses and with andrea and i we can exchange kisses from across the room and I can just, we can just smooch in the air and that will fill her love pocket. That's how clingy we are with each other. And uh, in, in the classroom, if you have kids who have love, their, who have physical touch as their love language, you can occasionally yell group hug. Of course, not, maybe it's not effective for teams. You play it by ear, whichever will work for you. Okay, um, there's just a question here from Clave. Okay. Now, um, first, I'm not sure if Clay is a, a girl or boy, but the question is, uh, that's the same approach I do for my kid, but she would always respond with resentment, even if we tell her it's okay and shouldn't worry about making a mistake, 
how best to respond to it? Alright. Oh, that's a very good question. So, uh, later on, I will share with you some phrases to say. And I think it's the manner of delivering it. It's acknowledging that it's okay to make a mistake, but are you really showing it with your manner? Or it's not that I'm judging you, right? But it's the delivery also. So later on, I'll give you some phrases to say to children uh, that will be, I hope, effectively, effectively will address that. There's a little experimenting that needs to happen as well. Yes, yes. In trying to communicate with them. Exactly, exactly. So it's not, there's no like a quick magic tool that you can use. You have to experiment as you're building that relationship with the child. So there. And I suppose because then children are also going through their own uh, stages of development. Uh, yes. Especially when they go from like really children to teenagers. All of a sudden, what they used to like, like hugging or kissing, all of a sudden oh, they don't yes. like hugging and kissing. They will resent that. Yes. yes. Exactly. So it's, a, it's an ever uh, no, dynamic or changing uh, <laughs> relationship, I suppose. Yeah, and we, we, we have to always cope up with that and adjust to that as adults. Right. Okay, so going back to physical touch. back to physical touch um you can also make up handshakes with them i know when we were young we would have a lot of handshakes and up to this day you would remember some handshakes right so it's a one way of uh, feeling other people's love language with regards to physical touch another is gently squeezing their hands to say i love you or snuggling close in the house or reading together so last two love language is receiving gifts and i will not go through all of these tips but while I'm showing you this list, I want you as a parent or as an educator, if you've done this before, make a mental check in your head and make a mental note in your head that, okay, I've done that. And give yourself a pat in the back because you're doing something good, right? So I will give you some uh, moments to read through the slide and then we'll move on to the love language. So the last love language is acts of service. Um, the last love language is, I think, some, my husband's love language. And I can tell because, of course, <laughs> as I have observed, uh, and actually what people say is that what you actually give is the kind of love language that you have. So my husband, what he does in the house is actually he loves to cook and he would prepare meals for us. And our, he would literally prepare my favorite meal when I request for it. Or just random days, he would prepare laing for me and he would make coffee for me. Or sometimes he's our handy man, Manny, you know that show. He's, he fixes a lot of things in the house. So uh, in a way, that's his love language. He really likes it when he is offering help, when he's offering service to us in the house. Okay. So, I'm blushing right now, actually. I'm glad the camera is not on me, but I'm blushing right now. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> you, right? you can fill children's love bucket if their love language is acts of service, when you try to help them out again, or you give them the service that they want. So, Alright, just a quick um, 
question here. Strategies uh, and these things of like we're building rapport. It's is it something that you, we also can do in schools or just at home? Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Yes, definitely because you can use the love language because um, when you're working with a student, it's really really important to be able to connect to the child because you want to motivate their learning rather than shut their learning. So you have to find uh, you have to find a connection to the child to be able to teach them the lessons or the concepts that you want them for them to learn. In the house, it's really really important because it's your part of that family so it will be very very beneficial for you to know them to know their love language so even it works for couples it works for parents it works for everybody even even your office mate if you know your office mates love language you it will be a better workplace right if you know that your office mates love language is words of affirmation you don't want to tell her negative words right you want to encourage her to build the relationship with her or uh, if you want some colleagues would want quality time merely eating lunch with them is enough so in a way knowing this love language is building on connecting to other people so it's really important to have this in raising a social smart child right did I answer your question please Okay. Yes, and I think there's a comment in the chat also about it. Earl, do you mind uh, reading it? Ah, yes. Here's one for Marga Camacho. Now, building rapport with students helps them to trust you and become more invested with the lessons that you present. Yes, exactly, exactly right. You know, there are some students who, when they hear the teacher's name, it really, it really... Uh, they come up with a negative feeling. We don't want that. We want for children to like us, not hate us, right? Because when they hate the teacher, they hate the content. So we don't want that. We want to connect to the children so that they like the content that we're teaching. Right. Okay. Also, since we're live on Facebook, we have a question from Facebook Live. Uh, one of the viewer uh, comment. Uh, here's the comment. How will you integrate this to teenagers or students? Uh, actually, um, with boys, boys are kind of hard to connect to, especially if they're in their teenage years. But if you know their love language, and their love language is video games and all of that, that's a way to click with them. So it's getting into their world. It's not like... It's not that you're encouraging spending hours of video gaming, but you're actually knowing what they like. And in a way, that will strike a conversation with high school students. So I actually have my nephew stay in the house for like a few months. And his love language is I have service all the time. So when I just stay there and listen to all his stories, it's like an instant connection between us. Uh, my nephew and I, that is. So, you can integrate this even without asking the child to do the love language test. If you will be observing the child, it's in a way you will be able to describe what love language or what strategy you will do to fill that child's love bucket. Alright? Okay, so another strategy under building rapport 
goes hand in hand with uh, the love tank or the love language, and that is how, uh, filling up buckets. So I got this idea from the book, How Full Is Your Bucket? And it just talks about us all having invisible buckets in our head. And the idea is that whenever there's a drop in our bucket, in our invisible bucket, we feel good. But whenever there's a drip from our bucket, we feel bad about it. So that's the idea. We have to be consciously aware that with, with dealing with our kids, with dealing with our students, are we dropping into their love buckets or are we dripping or are we taking away from their love buckets? So I want you to be conscious about that. When you're raising a social smart child, when you're teaching your, your kids, when you're teaching to your students, I want you to ask yourself, be aware, are you dropping or are you dripping from them? Alright, enough about that. Let's go to the second point. Our next subtopic is about phrases to say or how to talk to them. Um, sorry, Angie. Sorry to interrupt you. There is another question. I believe it's from uh, FB Live. Uh, it was given to me by, uh, by Lancy. Now, the question here is, are this applicable to little children only? Is this also applicable to child with mild special needs? Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely uh, very applicable. So, I actually work with special with kids with special needs and um, I really use the love language as a, as a way to get to know them because uh, and connect with them, to instantly connect with them. Uh, so it not it doesn't only work with children. Please don't get me, uh, don't, please don't talk. I mean, it's really applicable throughout all of the ages with children, with teens, with adults. So it's really for everybody. Those five concepts, if you try to fill other people's buckets about it, you will make other people feel good and in return, it will come back to you. So, really, it really also works with kids with special needs. I, I can I just... I suppose, mm -hmm. Angie, the, the key word here would be intentional. Yeah, intentional. And normally, we won't, we won't do this. Uh, we won't have a plan to fill up each other's buckets, for example. Yes. Or or build rapport but since we want to be able to build social emotional learning the EQ mm -hmm. not just the IQ then being intentional about these things is the key yes right exactly right so it's an extra effort from us but when we do it we actually model what it is to be like a social smart all right so let's go ahead and talk about phrases to say so the next slide is actually an idea from a book that I read about how to talk so kids will listen and listen so kids will talk. It's a book by Adele Faber and Elaine Maslish. So they gave, in the book, they gave a quick guide for busy parents to deal with their kids. And I find it very, very helpful, not just in the home setup, but also in school. So an example to encourage cooperation with a child is number one, you can just plainly describe. You can see what you observe or state what you observe. Say for example, you can say the milk is on the table. And of course that will give the child a clue as to what he needs to do. Number two, you can give information about it. You can say, okay, all right, milk goes bad when, it, when it's out of the fridge. So instead of all the drama, you can use this statement or use these phrases. You can say, also say it with a word. You can say milk 
and that will tell them, uh, that will give them a clue to put the milk in the refrigerator. You know, when you do these things, you not only connect with the child, but you spare yourself from the nagging, from the drama, from from playing like you're a repeated CD player, right? So when you do these types of things, or you these phrases to say, you encourage them to do what you want them to do in different phrases or in different levels. Number four is you can also write a note. Say, for example, in the milk box, you can say, put me back in the fridge. And I know, and I've seen a house where a mom is, has literally put a lot of notes in the house. And that's fine because you're sparing yourself from repeating yourself over and over and over again. So that's another strategy that you can do. Also, in a different scenario, you can talk about the food. So again, if you're letting your, your child know about your feelings, he will learn to sympathize with you or empathize with you. So you, you say, I don't like having my hand yanked or pulled when you want to call my attention. You can just simply call my name. You can say mommy or mommy, mom or mommy. Or um, so in that way, you're not encouraging the child to just use physical, physical things or gestures to call your attention, but you're encouraging them to express their words, especially for very young kids. Alright, so another way to, or phrase, another tip with regards to phrase to say is using positive language. And this is a skill that I'm still learning or I'm still using. So it basically, you're trying to avoid the word no or that conscious effort that you will not say the word don't. This way, you're not just telling the kids to stop, you're also redirecting them to what you really want to do. Say, for example, you say, you don't say don't run, you say, please walk. You don't say don't jump, instead of saying don't jump, you say, please go down slowly. Instead of saying don't yell, you say, okay, please use a quiet voice or an inner voice. Instead of saying don't hit, please say, keep your hands to yourself or be gentle. Instead of saying, don't talk to me like that, you can say, please use kind words. Or you can say, we don't tolerate uh, foul language in the classroom, right? Uh, you can say, you can also, instead of saying, stop that loud tantrum, you can say, I'm here for you and tell me what happened. So, actually, when you say the phrase, I'm here for you, it's a very powerful thing to say to the child because one, you're actually acknowledging the feelings of the child, whether it's a bad, bad feeling or a good feeling. And you're actually uh, encouraging the child to, okay, I'm just here, let me know if you need help. Something like that. So you're actually making the child know that you are ready to listen to him or her. Lastly, instead of saying, don't interrupt me, you can say, please wait until I finish talking. So another thing to do, and aside from redirecting what they have to do, instead of saying, or avoiding the no's and don'ts. You can also try asking questions or you can give empowering statements to add to your positive language. So say for example, you, instead of saying, what a mess, you say, oh wow, you look, looks like you had fun. How can we clean up, right? So instead of saying, do you need help? I'm here, I'm here. And you say, I'm here to help you if you need me. And I use this phrase a lot of times because um, I'm here for you if you need me because you don't want the child to be fully dependent on you you want to give the child the the power to reach back to you or to ask or to reach out or to be an advocate of himself 
to reach out and ask for help. So I really use this phrase, I'm here to help you if you need to. Or you can, I'll just be here, you can call me if you need to. As a phrase for students inside the classroom. Another is, instead of saying, I already explained how to do this many times already. Instead of saying that, spare yourself from the drama. You don't want that. So just say, maybe I can show you a different way. Or maybe I can show you an easier way. And then instead of saying, like say for example, you see two boys talking. Instead of saying, do I need to separate you two when you're looking at them with that scary eyes and that fear of voice. You don't want that. You just say, okay, I think, um, let's say for example, oh, Adam, I, I think you need a break. You can go to the restroom right now. So in that way, you're already separating them, right? So you still have, when you're using these phrases, you have the power to, to redirect the children to what you really want them to do. Last two is, instead of saying don't get upset, you say it's okay to feel sad. And uh, in that way, you're again acknowledging their feelings. And you can also motivate them. Instead of saying it's not that hard, you can say you can do hard things. And there's a lot of growth mindset um, phrases that you can use, but I will not dwell on that. Uh, or else we'll have the full, full day. <laughs> I want to spare you from that. <laughs> So let's go ahead with the yeah, third subject. that while you were discussing that, I'm, I'm seeing myself also as a manager, right? Yes. Or somebody who's working in the office. These are the same things you get upset about or frustrated about. And I could actually even use the same phrases for adults. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Right, exactly right. So you can use these phrases with children, with your friends, or with your office mates. All right. In fact, there's a question. I mean, like a, somebody was asking on the chat. Uh, you mentioned that smart kids, no, social smart kids, um, that they they have a better chance, let's say, uh, having success, being successful in life. Right. Um, could you expound uh, on that? This is from Din Din Noilas. Okay. I always like. There are some kids because I do handle social thinking and I do have sessions with kids. There are old kids who will think that they're a know-it-all and who will think that um, they don't need social thinking or they don't have to be a social smart. Well, I th I say that I say this to them that I say that it doesn't your e your IQ should match up with your EQ. So if your IQ is this high. Your EQ, your emotional quotient, should um, should at least balance out with your IQ because if you don't know how to relate to people, if you don't know how to make people feel good, if you don't think of uh, people's thoughts and feelings, who would want to work with you, right? So even though you're smart, even if your IQ is hundred plus, right? If your EQ is really low, people will not want to work with you, and that's one one concept that I teach kids. It's a reality check that I give them, especially because they're already teens and they can handle that that concept. So that's what I tell them. So it's really important to make IQ and EQ at the same level or even better. What's even better is you have EQ higher than IQ. Yeah, that's what I say. All right. Okay, on to our next subtopic is the social stories and the social behavior map. And this strategy is something that I use a lot of the times. So here are some of the social stories that uh, that's one 
social stories from one of my favorite author, and that is Julia Ko. So the point of using social stories really is to raise a social smart kid to teach to use the social stories as a teachable moment. Because say for example, uh, in the story My Mountain is a Volcano, the story is actually about a boy who learns a lot. So what you do is you you get that as a teachable moment and you use the language that's used in the story. So actually the story ends with the mom telling the boy that the strategy that you have to do is to just write down all your words. So if you take that language, if you take that phrase out of that social story and use it inside the classroom or use it at home, it's very more it's efficient because it works for you and it works for the child. So if you have a blurter in the room or if you have a student in the classroom who's like, uh, who always interrupts, you can always remind him of, remember, remember you have to write down on your words, you have to wait for the proper time to, to talk. All right, so when you're, do, when you're using social stories, you have to remember to make it a teachable mo moment. Point out the character, point out the thoughts and feelings of people, point out the plans of the character, point out the conflict resolution. So you're not just teaching social skills, you're not just teaching the lesson, but you're teaching them to get the main idea and abstract, abstract thinking or just thinking. So with that, when you're using a social story, you can actually use the social gram social uh, story grammar marker. So the Story grammar marker is actually an idea from the wine, wine, mind wing concept. And it actually just, just points to the story elements of the story. What I like about it is that you can use this even for older kids because when you're reading a story to them and they're assigned a chapter book, right? You want to mark the character, you want to mark the setting, you want to mark the kickoff event, you want to mark the thoughts and feelings of the character the plans of the character, what he did first, the actions or attempts that he did. And after the last moment that there's a direct consequence and a re resolution to the story. So when you're doing that, you're teaching the social lesson, the social skills lesson, you're teaching the kid story elements, and therefore you're aiding the abstract or the higher cognitive thinking skills of the child. You're helping them to think of the main idea, you're uh, building on their abstract thinking. So social stories is really, really helpful in raising a social smart So and another- It that you're also focusing on higher order learning. Yes, exactly, right? So, so when you- it's related to their lives and- Right, right. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, just a question here. It was sent to me privately, uh, actually through Red, uh, from Clade. It was sent uh, by Clade. How will you teach this concept to preschooler? Oh, there's a lot, a lot of books. A lot of books for preschool. Um, with my kids, as a personal experience, I started uh, reading books to them at a very young age. Even though I read to them when they are a baby. So, actually, when you uh, read to them, it becomes automatic to them. So, even if you... I, I don't have the the book to show you but for preschoolers you have very simple books the hardbound books so if you read it to them you point out the story the character you point out the side words you're actually building on their language uh, in a way so 
it's a win-win situation because you teach them social stories. You point out, uh, for toddlers, kasi, there are some books that just focus on feelings. Eh? And then they just show a picture of how a uh, sad face looks like or how a happy face looks like. So, ganun lang siya kasimple. It's that easy for toddler kids. And when you do read to them, then they get to transfer that learning. So, if they see that kind of face, they know that, okay, my mom is mad. And they will stop whatever that they're doing. Hopefully. So, yeah, to- with toddlers, that's how you do it. I guess, uh, you could, could you also use songs or like movies yes. or cartoons for that? Right. Yeah, definitely. You use words for toddlers. It's a lot of singing and dancing. And I can imagine myself, and I remember myself memorizing all the high five songs. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> high five songs and all the Disney songs there is. So, so you encourage them through singing and dancing and reading stories to them. All right. Okay. So back to what I was talking about. So, I also use the social behavior map. So, aside from reading social stories with them, I use the social behavior map. And the social behavior map really is a concept again from Michelle Winner. And it's the heart of social thinking. And it's just a social emotional chain reaction. So, if you see in the slide, there's expected behaviors, there's a column on how the behaviors make people feel how people react to how they feel about the behavior and how you feel about yourself so in a way this is a making it it's a teaching concept uh, it's a teaching tool to teach kids that whatever the behavior that they're doing has a direct effect on others thoughts and feelings therefore there's a consequence to that and that concept consequence is either positive or negative and it will lead to an end feeling that is positive or negative. So, uh, say for example, we have the social story, the worst day of my life ever. So basically, the unexpected behavior that the kid did here is that he did not listen and follow instructions. So you're just pointing out, okay, if you don't listen and follow instructions, people's thoughts and feelings will be negative about you. Therefore, a privilege will be taken away from you. Um, your friends will not be nice to you and or they will not be happy around you anymore and so you feel bad about yourself and that's how you get the formula for having the worst day of your life ever right so we don't want that and we switch that around so that's why we encourage kids to do the expected behaviors to spare them from all the drama and to spare them from having the worst day of their life ever so that's why i find it very beneficial to use the social behavior now all right okay now before you continue there's a question here from razali magpili uh, I think I know this guy. Uh, the question is, can you also ask your child to tell you his or her own story? Oh yes, definitely. You can come up uh, or you can encourage the child to come up with his own story. Because when you do, you're actually letting the child or you're encouraging the child to express himself. And it's a very creative way to express yourself. in uh, in. Uh, in a story mode, ba? Ang nun. That's a br- brilliant idea. Of course, you can do that. Creative pa. Yes, creative pa, ba? And that's a memoir pa, pag laki niya. Alright. Okay, so, fourth subtopic is about emotions. It's understanding and managing emotions. And 
That's why I have a child there that says, what do I do when I'm sad or angry? Right? What do you actually do? Right? So we are giving or we are going to teach that concept to them. Alright, when I teach this concept, I tell kids, okay, there's a lot of emotions, good and negative, right? But that, but when we feel that negative feelings, it's okay. Because when we do experience that negative feelings, it just says that our body is normal and healthy. So, we tell kids that it's okay to be sad, it's okay to be mad. Rather than the culture that we have, actually here in the Philippines, you would hear elders say, okay, Ate, iyak-iyak pa, yung ganun, those negative drama, yung, 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 iyak-iyak ka na naman dyan, napakiyakin mo. Those negative comments, it's not helpful eh, because you're actually making the child go into more drama. So, rather than doing that. And it suppresses, suppresses yes. their Yes, yes, exactly, it suppresses their feelings. And you don't want that, kasi you want the child to be aware of their feelings rather than shut down their feelings. Alam nga naman, mabuo na lahat ng galit nila sa loob nila, di ba? You don't want that, di ba? You want them to express their emotions in a healthy way, that is. So we have to teach our kids to pay attention to how their body and their mind feel when they have different emotions. And when they do, they'll be better at understanding and expressing their emotions rather than becoming an explosion of emotions or rather than making the emotion take over them. Alright, so when I teach this concept, I teach them the concept of the upstairs and the downstairs brain. And some kids really appreciate it because they think they're very smart. <laughs> so they think they want a scientific explanation for, for this concept. So I use this concept to teach them that in our brains, we have the upstairs brain, the logical thinking part of our brain, and we have the downstairs brain, or the emotional part of our brain. So the emotional part of our brain does the automatic reaction. That's why we cry. We, uh, the downstairs part of our brain controls the automatic reaction or the breathing. We don't have to think things through. Think things through. We just experience it. But the upstairs part of our brain deals with. Um, Logical thinking, problem solving, act of kindness, you thinking about others' thoughts and feelings, all of those things. So we explain to the child that the upstairs brain and the downstairs brain has to be connected or has to communicate to each other. We don't want to just dwell on the downstairs brain. We want to the upstairs brain to take over. Alright? It's a combination. So when you teach that, you actually tell the child, okay, uh, this is what I'm feeling. I have to stop. Then I have to think. And when they do think clearly, you have a child who can manage his own feelings. So that's the idea. So you teach them the concept of the upstairs brain and the downstairs brain. And then making that... Um, wow. Um, Andre, just want to... I mean, this concept, uh, we teach this to managers. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but you can... Oh, yeah. Prefrontal, critical thinking brain and... Uh, the mammalian and the primitive brain, right? Exactly. That's yeah. The fight or flight. And so when mm -hmm. you teach it to kids, they're recognizing their emotions and how to deal with their emotions that early. Yes. Amazing. So when you yeah, so when you teach this kind of concept to the kids, you're actually teaching the kids, okay, if I'm feeling lonely, this 
disappointed or sad. Okay, I can do all of these things. There's a lot of things that I can do. I can take deep breaths. I can be creative. I can use positive language. I can do self-talk, positive self-talk. I can exercise. So, when you teach that concept, you're giving them a tool for them to do. So, what else can they do, right? So, we'll go on to the next topic which is planning for a bad moment in a day. So the reason behind this, this idea is actually again from social thinking, planning for a bad day. We all have, we have earthquake drills, we have fire drills, we have, if, if other schools, they have lockdown drills. So why not come for a drill when you are having a bad moment in a day? Okay. Right, diba? Uh, before that, there's just a question from Miss Marga Camacho. Now, her question is, what about for kids with special needs? They have harder time understanding their feelings. Yeah. Okay, for for kids with uh, in special needs, actually, you can still do it. But it's just, um, you go back to the basic. Um, it really depends. Because eh, if you're talking about special needs, you're talking about a full spectrum are are they functioning at the low level or are they functioning at the high level so um how do i say it's really knowing the child but actually you can still teach this concept for for before kasi you teach social skills it's like you teach them somehow masakit sa tenga pero parang robot you say for example you raise your hand you wait five seconds Okay, you wait for your name to be called and then you talk. Tapos may, ano pa yun, may practice pa yun ng, ng kasabihin. But the thing about teaching social thinking is that you're not just teaching the skill. You have to remember, you're teaching the why behind it. So you're not just saying uh, you have to raise your hand. You're saying you're raising your hand because because you have to wait for your turn because there are other people around you who need to talk to the teacher something like that but um it, with special needs you just break it down one notch lower but it's still the same context you're just being more specific it's more directed it's more intentional but it will still work with them so yeah, i hope that answers the question Actually, while you were saying that and showing that slide earlier, I think these emojis are very helpful. Um, even for very young kids, if they see the emoji that's a smiley face or a sad face, it's a it's a quick way of uh, understanding their feelings or emotions. So yeah. uh, the more basic, I suppose, for special children, right? The more basic, I mean, it doesn't have to be, are you anxious or are you, you know? Uh, uh, emotions like that maybe you can't they can't recognize it easily but sad happy might be easy uh, yeah for right that's why there's a lot of visual story social stories available there's a lot on the internet and it really breaks it down it's like a comic strip of what happens first next and the emotion that the character goes to so you can still teach a child with special needs with social uh, social skills or social thinking skills. Alright. So, going back for planning for a bad moment in a day. So, the drill is, and you can practice this with your child if you come up with a plan for a bad moment in a day. 
The drill is first, if you're having a meltdown or you feel like you're about to have a meltdown, take a break. And this uh, calming corners is very beneficial. So whether in the classroom or at home, say for example in my house, their calming, uh, their calming corner is their room, <laughs> my child's room. And in the back of their uh, door, their room store, is a sign for lazy breathing, for the size of the problem, for activities that they can do while they're managing their emotions. I don't know if I have an example also. So sometimes I even quote a calming countdown spot, diba? So para ano, para, uh, I don't know, you can read it, but yeah, so a visual reminder, okay, here's your calming spot. It's, it can even be a thinking chair. Right? So take a break, go to the thinking chair, or go to the common corner. And then in the common corner, you encourage them to do breathing exercises. And there's a ton of breathing exercises that ranges for toddlers, for kids, for adults, and all of that. The one that I'm showing here, the lazy breathing, you, it's applicable for elementary kids up to high school, or even for us. So the idea is just you're just tracing your finger with the infinity sign or the eight sign so you start in the middle and then you breathe in through your nose and you breathe out through your mouth like that and ideally it takes five um, deep breaths for you to calm down or even ten it really depends and then while you're when you're done doing that and you feel like you're still not yet calmed down you really want to do some, some something else, you redirect yourself to doing some quiet activities. It depends on the child whether he likes quiet activities or active activities. So the goal is just to provide for a calming corner where, you, where they can do this activities. So they take a break, do deep breathing exercises, they can do quiet activities or active activities. And when they're calm enough or they can think clearly, Another way to talk about it is the size of the problem. So, say for example, uh, uh, say for example, in the classroom. So, nakita mo na napasigaw na siya or galit na siya, nakapunch na yung fist niya. So, you tell the child, okay, I think, uh, I think you need the coming corner. You can go ahead and go to the coming corner. So, when he does the deep breaths and all of that, and then he does the quiet activities, and you see that the child's already come down you can talk to the child already. But first, you ask him, uh, you tell the child, I'm just here if you need me. When you're calm, I can talk to you. We can talk about this later, something like that. So, so and, and um, what I'm hearing here is it's not a punishment. But no, no. You know, when I was, I mean, I think growing up, there would be uh, instances where parents would get angry, go to your room or stand in the corner, right? Right. So face the water. It's a different. It's a different thing. Yes. Um, altogether. Yes, it's a very uh, different thing because you're encouraging awareness of the emotion and you're encouraging how to manage the emotion. <clears throat> okay, there's a question here again from Rizali Matili. When bad day is can is coming, do you drop your expectations to a manageable level or stick with your plan? Actually. You play it by the, by ear because sometimes, actually, when you know the child that well, kita mo palang eh, um, you will prevent the bad moment from happening. 
So if you really know the child, you know what will trigger the child, and you would want to prevent that from happening. So if you're working with, if you're working with uh, students with special needs, and you have a child who's, uh, who tends to blow up or have meltdowns, you have to know the trigger, what's causing them to have meltdowns. And you try your best as a teacher to avoid those triggers. Kasi mas maganda na pro later maybe sabihin mo right? It's better to be proactive, 'di ba? You prevent it from happening rather than solving the problem. So, the idea with planning for a bad moment in a day is that you have a drill. You have a drill on what to do when you're having a bad moment in a day. But as teachers, as parents, as educators, we try our best to avoid children from having a bad moment in a day. If it's it's really then you go ahead encourage the child to do deep breathing and um, the thing about that is you really want the child to change channel his change his thought channel so that he can function again okay so one way of changing channels is that you're letting the child do an activity so whatever works for you as teachers we're very very creative so whatever works for the child whatever works for you do it Okay, this plan for a bad moment in a day is just a suggestion and you can really tweak it to what the child needs or what you need. Alright, so the fourth one, uh, the other one is the size of the problem and if I, I can just go back to that. It's, um, the idea is that the size of the problem should match the size of the reaction. So, say for example, you have a size 2 problem, you should have a size 2 reaction and what do I mean by that? If you have a size 2 problem like your ball pen fell on the floor, it's a tiny problem. So your reaction should just be nothing. It's okay, calm. You're calm. But if you have a size 3 problem, say for example, you're confused with the instructions, a kid doesn't know what to do, what should be the reaction? The reaction should not be a 9 or a 10 or a crying, right? It should be asking for help. So the idea of the size of the problem is teaching the child, okay, you had a meltdown a while ago, you're about to have a meltdown a while ago. How can we avoid that problem? What size of the problem did you have a while ago? So, when the child has already, or is already able to think clearly, discuss the size of the problem, to prevent a problem from happening again. And then lastly, you go back to the activity or you join the group where the child had the pre-meltdown. Okay, alright. Comments again. Uh, from in the chat, Earl, do you mind reading? Okay. Nowadays, people are okay. There are a lot of comments here. Uh, from Fursi Pasqua, yeah. nowadays, people are experiencing burnout, such work overload, economic pressures, job insecurity, lack of control over their work, or feelings of being treated unfairly contribute to burnout. If someone is experiencing burnout, how can one recover? And then maybe oh. continue with the others first, and then you can comment. Okay, now the next, uh, next comment is, that approach is very applicable to all, especially the children that need an explanation of the information to better understand the situation he or she experienced. Okay. There's another one here from Leia Ramos. Also, we don't do the plan for the child, and we do it with the child. Yes, so it's right. really catered to their needs and personality, 
and they can take ownership and responsibility. Yes, exactly, exactly right. You can tweak it to the child's personality. All right. So uh, the other question is uh, how do how can one recover if one if someone is experiencing burnout? Especially now, no, with this quarantine. Like, okay, I think for now, as adults, and this pandemic is really, really new to us. It's really challenging, eh? because if you think about it, day one you're okay. Yeah, I can do it. I can stay home. I can see. I can wake up uh, late and all of these things. I'm just in my house anyway. But they come day two, you're like, I want to go back to work. I want to see my friends and all of that. It's understandable for you to experience all those emotions. And what I would recommend for you to do is that, with, like just like kids, you have to have that awareness of what you are feeling. And if it means like logging in your emotions throughout the day, that's fine. Say for example, in the morning you wake up tired. That's fine, record it, tired. Uh, come after breakfast because you've eaten your favorite meal, you're in a better mood. Right, happy or calm. Come lunchtime, you're somebody called and you had a bad argument or something like that. Right, mad, right? So all throughout the day, you can record what you're feeling. And when you do, you try to think about, okay, when I was feeling this, what did I do? What worked? And you come up with your own list. And maybe that's one way of uh, having a go-to method for you to do. So say for example, ah. Uh, Nakakainis yung kausap ko kanina, nayo ko sa kausap ganyan ganyan. Nakakainis, ganyan ganyan. But what you did was actually okay. I watched a K-drama. So that's a strategy. You redirect, you change your channel to watching a K-drama or watching your favorite actor or actress or listening to music. So write that as your own tool. And that's your go-to tool when you're having those emotions. So, to avoid Maybe we're the first ones. We're the first ones who should do this uh, breathing, lazy breathing. Yes, right. So here are some other breathing exercises. Again, there's a lot. There's some rainbow breaths. There's some bunny breaths. But I just pointed out some some things that you can use. So the lazy eight breathing um, and the six sides of breathing. Actually, when you do one deep breathing, you want to be conscious of when you breathe in, Actually, when you do try it, it's everything is tensed, right? When you breathe in, everything is tensed, but when you breathe out, everything is relaxed. So when you do the deep breathing, you're actually having that body movement that's relaxing. That's why it's encouraged to do lazy to do deep breathing exercises. Yes, and of course, I would like to add on that. Let's put the science uh, on it. Now, once we do the deep breathing exercise, especially whether it's a lazy aid or first lip deep breathing, that's what we usually do in the nursing uh, field. What happens is that, uh, as Angie mentioned, that once you take in those deep breaths, all those emotions and tensions, all of your muscles will be uh, con uh, constricted or your blood vessels will be constricted. And then once you exhale, that's the time that your muscle will relax, it will dilate, and what happened is your heart will pump up enough oxygenated blood to your head so that your head will be, or your brain, or I mean your brain, will be more functional once you inhale all those oxygenated blood. So deep breathing really helps uh, in a lot of ways, not just for kids, especially for adults. Uh, since someone mentioned that uh, they once, if ever they are burned out or something, deep breathing will really help them. Yep, right. 
That's coming from our nurse. Scientific version. <laughs> Alright, so actually this is, uh, I think, my last slide. So brain research shows that movement and deep breathing help to alleviate stress and anxiety. So our bodies is really designed to move. So for us to spare to spare ourselves from the burnout, we have to make it a habit to exercise or make it a conscious effort to move and not just sit all day in front of the computer and have Zoom meetings. Have an effort to really exercise to keep ourselves calm. Alright, so that sums up basic steps to raise a social smart kid. A social smart kid who understands his own emotions and can manage it. A social smart kid who considers his own and others' thoughts and feelings. And a person, a social smart kid who can react appropriately to social situations. So, where do our role come in? So, as teachers and educators, as parents, I want to encourage you to make it a part of the day because social emotional learning and social skills must really be taught the entire day. The entire day. It doesn't end in school. It should be brought home. It should be brought home and acknowledged and corrected behaviorally and specifically all day in all settings, whether it's in the grocery, in church, um, in all public places or in all contexts that you can teach, uh, that you can take home. Alright. So so it takes a village to create a child. That's why the resources that I point out here is not just the resources out there. There's a whole lot more, and my husband can share a whole lot of resources for that. So I'll give the floor to him. Okay. Now, so um, since you've seen or you've heard a lot and learned uh, a lot about uh, the social thinking and the social emotional behavior, we just like to. I share with you as well the leader in me process. Um, I just like to show as well the what you call it, the connection. Now a while ago Angie mentioned about the pocket full or is your pocket full? Now in the leader in me or in the seven habits of highly effective people, we use the emotional bank account. Now there we use the term deposits and withdrawals. So everything you say, everything you do, it, it, it depends on how you say it or how you deliver it. It may be deposits or withdrawal. So uh, that's the one we're using in the literature. She mentioned um, a while ago about this term, this positive languages. Now, in the literature, we use the proactive versus the reactive language, or habit one, be proactive. As you can see, there are a lot of ways to say it in a different way. It can mean a different uh, uh, meaning to a kid, but using a proactive language helps them to develop a more sensitive a more mature and like uh, they are more proactive in dealing with the situation also we, uh, we have this she mentioned a while ago characters that you can learn from and you can also use songs now in the leader in me we use the seven habits of high, uh, happy kids character as you can see there are a lot of characters in each character there we have a good bear we have lily skunk each of those characters represents a habit and those habits will help her kids in a way that they can practice it, use it in their personal lives, in their school, in dealing with their friends or peers. So it can really help as well. So um, basically, uh, what what she had taught us or uh, shared to us, um, in the literary, in the Franklin Covey Education Philippines, 
we focus also not just academically. Now here the slides, what, uh, what I'm showing to you is based on the job output report on graduates by National Association of Colleges and Employees. Now, current educational approaches right now, they merely focuses on the academic approach. What, so what happened now? Students or those who graduate, and as you can see in the, in the statistics, only 48%, only 48%, can you imagine, only 48% of students who graduated who felt that they are prepared. So, and, and, and as you can see as well, it shows here that employers, um, based on this number, they really see that those graduates are having a hard time coping up with this new generation or with this workforce, okay, once they're out there. So the leader in need, the leader in need, our approach is to help kids, not just academically, we help them to improve with their culture and their, uh, the way they do things. So uh, academic, culture, and leadership, we focus on that. And we don't isolate one topic to the other, we collaborate all of them, okay? And then, of course, um, we have uh, what they call this, the social uh, uh, castle. Uh, leader in me is endorsed by castle. Now, what is castle? Castle is the leading authority in the advancement of social emotional uh, leadership in education. Now, there are a lot of programs out there, and I believe Angie or some of you, I believe there's a uh, we have audience here who is working in international school. Those schools have those uh, social emotional program, and out there there are a lot, but. Based on Castle's uh, recommendation, Leader in Me is one of the robust, most robust program when it comes to social emotional learning. So, if ever you want to know more about this uh, program, the Leader in Me, and all those actually she mentioned or she shared with us, we can actually give it to your kids as well or to help you with your kids as well with your school. And the thing is, with the Leader in Me, um, it's not just about teaching it with the school. It has to go with, uh, once they go home, it has to continue at home. So that's part of it, okay? So what does the Castle endorsement say about the Leader in Me? First, it's a well-designed uh, program, systemic, systemically promoting social and emotional competence development and high-quality professional development and implementation support. Rigorous research supporting its positive impacts on students. Now, uh, the Leader in Me is created by teachers for teachers, and then um, all of our researches are evidence-based, research-based. So whatever we teach, uh, whatever we share in developing the kids, is all research-based. Okay. So if you want to know more about that, you can contact us. And also, these uh, all of our resources. So we have from uh, five to seven years old from 12 to 15 so we have a tons of uh, resources especially uh, if you go online we have resources uh, online we have a resource library that we can uh, that you can share it with your kids or with your students you can learn with them teach them and article so there are tons okay so this is the part of uh, we're, we're almost at the end of our program so if you have any questions, if you want to unmute your mic, if you want to be heard, uh, kindly unmute your mic. Or if you would like to type in your questions, type in the chat box. Or those who are watching live on Facebook, you can type in the comments section uh, so that we can account. So we'll give some time for this if you have questions. And I believe they are in the chat box. Okay. 
How can I learn more about Franklin Covey's Leader in Me? Wow, from Clave. <laughs> now, for the Leader in Me, if you like, we can share with you. I'll be sharing with you the email address later, and actually, you, we can talk with that uh, through the email, and we can share it with you, uh, Todd. And uh, there's another one here. Uh, there's a comment here from Ms. Ayat Arnaiz. Beat the child with the rod and he had done very wrong. In, this is in the Bible, Proverbs chapter 23. Yes. How's that sound? Beat the child with the rod when he done very wrong. How, how, the, how do you, I think it's a question, uh, beating a child. I suppose um, maybe to rephrase, uh, to rephrase these uh, verses that talk about more like uh, punishment. No? What's mm -hmm. the role of punishment, let's say, in, in social emotional learning? Or is there punishment, or is there? How do we deal with that? Correcting a child. Yeah, and with I'll I'll talk about my personal experience. Actually, I'm not a fan of physical spanking. Um, I leave that to EJ <laughs> because what. What I think is that you don't want to spare the rod, you don't want to not let them experience the punishment, but what I think is that it's better if you shower the child with positive things because you don't want the child to remember you as a parent or as a teacher. Oh, si teacher, ganito pinalo ako. Ah, si mami, pinalo ako. You cannot, I don't, we don't want to be remembered that way. Instead, we want to empower them with strategies to manage their emotions or behaviors that are appropriate to do in social situations. So I do believe in saying that we have to give punishment, punishment but discipline, discipline yeah. but I'm more of gearing towards empowering the child to do manage his emotions and do actual expected behaviors. Now, I guess well, what maybe can... my 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 point of view in terms of the seven habits. Uh, Dr. Kavi talks about habit one, which is be proactive and be reactive. And the thing with strong emotions is sometimes you can control it, or it can control you. Correct. And when you are angry, it's very hard to control a very strong emotion like that. So. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's important still to acknowledge that yes, I'm upset about something because then it's again an adult acknowledging uh, my, my own emotion about it. But the way we will uh, communicate that anger and how we will bring it out, that's, that's when either we become reactive or proactive. And right. so if, when you're reactive, you can, you know, like um, just blurting out maybe even violent words or acting yes. out so yeah. it's also not the healthy yeah. social emotional um, behavior that we yeah. don't want to see it in our children and, and if we start acting out with whips and that you know and then just get the better of us and it controls us rather than we controlling it then that also becomes a problem yes so, and I guess uh, if I may add to that now the, the thing is um, Personally speaking, when it comes to discipline, um, between the two of us, when it comes to disciplining our child, 
what we do, uh, I must admit, uh, there are times that I spank them. But um, what I believe is that once you do that, it has to be there has to be a valid reason, and at the same time, you have to explain it. And once you do something or you, you do a physical touch to a child or to your child, make sure you don't do it with force. The intention should be is to discipline. And if you can avoid it, please avoid it. But if you want to instill discipline and at the same time, you, you're backing it up with your explanation or the reason why is it happening. For me, it can help, but rarely I do it, rarely. But after I did that, I make sure that I, I had them, I explain it to them. I'm not mad at you, I'm mad at what you did. So I believe um, if, if that's the verse that you'll be using, um, in my case, I, I would agree not beating, because the word that you use there is beating the child, but it's still, it's still discipline like a, like a tap, just to call the attention. I guess that would suffice, but you have to explain. You have to know the intention rather than just spanking it, beating the hell out of the kid, and just it telling it. Could be a little, um, it, it could be a little uh, what do you call it? controversial. Uh, yeah. And so for me, at the end of the day, principles matter, values yes, matter. Correct. And if, if we can stick to principle centered uh, parenting and disciplining, all the better. I think that's the best way to kind of deliver. Because at the end of the day, um, anger is okay. I mean, I, I'm angry about pollution. I'm angry about this pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> but the way okay. I uh, act it out, uh, if, if I'm not principle-based or principle-centered, I could be just whacking everybody who walks around. Why are you not home? You know, okay. <laughs> stay home, stay away. You know, things like right. that. So um, principle-centeredness is going to be very key. This. As much as what uh, we were talking about, which is socially yes. aware. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, if I may read some of the comments here, uh, I have here Percy Pasqua, uh, right appropriate language, tamapo. Being modest matters a lot. We do not want to create an individual who are rude. We want to inspire and create positive attitude. Yep. Thank you for that. Yeah. Also from Jeremy Brian Gamboa. Um, in our class, we had a version of the bucket of love, uh, where we posted the tree with the trunk and branches only on the wall, which is gradually attached with leaves. Every time the section has done something productive, nice. oh nice, this is nice. I can employ this method again with a greater efficiency with additional focus on emotional yes, development yes. because of your talk. Thank you. Yep. Okay. Uh, okay. I'll skip that one. That's okay. Ramos. Yes. For... Okay. If, if uh, punishment is done out of anger, it could also send the wrong message. The Correct. child right. Yep. Okay. And then from Percy Pasqua. Earl, go ahead and read. Uh, there's a lot. <laughs> you know, discipline with love, correct me if I'm wrong. That's why. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. When okay. Deliver a baby. Ah, deliver a baby. Tap the food. Rather she or he touches gently because it has something to do with emotion and Yes. Uh, exactly. Yep. Uh, din din do less. 
uh, tell them what you want them to do more than what you don't yes, want. But exactly. acknowledge emotions. The fact that they are feeling, yep. it renders it valid. Yep, okay. I agree. You cannot do beating the learners. Say negative thoughts, words, yell, and bring negative stress nowadays with a stringent child protection <laughs> policy. Yeah, correct. <laughs> For sure. So, so, we really have to teach our child to be God-centered. Yep. By Evelyn Santos. God-centered. Of course. Yes. yes. Of course. And by Juanito Icaro, is it applicable for days that when you give physical punishment, you will explain it to them, especially in school settings? But school settings are different. <laughs> Actually, if it's in the school setting, you would it's involve a guidance counselor. Yeah, yeah, it's not advice. It's not a matter between just the teacher and the child. There's a, There should be a guidance counselor involved. Because you have to deal with the emotion that the child went through with the spanking. And you want to know if the child is um, has already moved on from that or is still experiencing that or is there trauma in that. And you want to deal with that trauma. So if you're going to bring that to a school setting, yeah, a guidance counselor should be involved. If it's like a spanking trauma from at home and then the child brings that in a school setting, guidance counselor should be involved. Okay, there's a question here actually it was from miss elaine our general manager it's a reaction um after the, dis the disciplining if needed kids have to take responsibility i asked them what they plan to do differently as a result of what they did wrong yep. yeah yeah by the way shout out to Ma uh, miss elaine yeah what i say to the kids is how can we make things better right that's the language also i, I believe this would be our last uh, comment so by Ms. Fersi Pasqua, nowadays self-control is an attitude uh, for us to develop and nurture yes, to our true. children. Very that's very true. Very. So I guess um, that's it for today. So if ever you want to know more about The Leader in Me, you can check our website www.leaderinme.com. Also, um, we have a tons of resources right now that are free, free for free you to, to see. Yeah, free resources for you to see, look for, teach with your kids. Go to our website, www.leaderinme.org. Also, if you want to, just the same question a while ago, if you want to know more about the Leader in Me, uh, kindly email us. Oh, sorry. Uh, kindly email us at educate and we'll get in touch with you. And we would love to partner with you and your school okay also you can follow us on facebook on facebook fcedph or you can type in uh, franklin Covey education philippines so please uh, like it share it we share a lot of articles videos uh, that you can use to, to your kids and to your students and also on our corporate side you can follow their uh, Facebook page Franklin Covey Philippines and to give you an idea they're conducting a series right now uh, it, it, under the productivity and uh, in uncertain times and they are on their fifth session so tomorrow it will be at 10:45 in the morning the topic would be renew personal er energy and fuel so they've conducted already a series of um, webinars uh, for that or sessions I mean uh, if you want to watch other sessions or the previous sessions, just go to their page, go to our page, and watch uh, those previous uh, uh, sessions episodes. Also, uh, Angie graciously um, shared her email address. If you have any questions about the topic that you discussed, you can 
Email her at angelajarangeles at gmail.com or angelesa at ismanila.org. Okay. Um, Earl, I'd like to yep. just uh, give a shout out to everybody who joined us today. Thank you for joining us. And we'd like to understand where schools are right now in the midst of the pandemic. Um, how can we help you if there's a certain topic that you'd like us to discuss in the webinars? Um, if you want us to even give a, a an overview of what we do in Franklin Covey Education, we'd love to do that for your school. So get in touch with us and uh, we're looking forward to more interactions with you and more learning. So, and keep safe, everybody. Stay home. Maraming salamat sa inyong lahat. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And applause. Angie, super. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, everyone. God bless. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. More from Miss Angie. More. <laughs> <laughs> I think we know that person. <laughs> Good job, Angie. <laughs> thank you.